0: All. You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host Daniel Hammock. Daniel, Happy New Year! Uh, we've got a couple of games to discuss in what was the greatest College Football Saturday in semifinal history. it been nine years, but what everyone wanted whenever the playoff was created, it took nine years, but we finally got, and that was two semifinal games that were within one score that you really didn't know who was going to win during the game. So we got to talk about them, man, but what a day for college football.
1: Yeah. Jacob uh, what was this two of the top three, two of the best three semifinals we've ever had. And it's not even close anything after that. And it's just cause they were, they were actually a game. They were actually competitive and uh, yeah. After watching the first game, I was like, oh, okay, this, there's no chance that this second game is going to be anything but maybe a blowout or just a snoozer, and then it was anything but. The Peach Bowl topped, topped the Fiesta, but wow, both just phenomenal. I mean, especially if you're watching it as a, a fan who is impartial, you're able to just soak it all in. I mean, both were just phenomenally played games, uh, maybe poorly called, but phenomenally played.
0: And the best part is we don't have to listen to any schools that got left out saying, see, they deserve to get in. So all four teams show that they deserve to be there. The committee got it right once again. And, uh, man, let, let's break down these games, Daniel. It, let's start with the Fiesta. That was the early game. It's funny, man. We, we get out of the Fiesta, and I'm like, man, I don't know how that game is going to be topped, and then we'll, we'll yeah. get to the Peach Bowl. <laughs> but uh, TCU – 51, Michigan 45. Daniel, unfortunately you and I got this pick wrong. Uh, you, ha- you had Michigan by a little more than I did, but we both had Michigan winning candidly, but we talked about scenarios in which TCU could win. Uh, I went back and looked at my notes. I said a couple of things. A, stack the box. I, I didn't know if that 335 could hold up against the run. It did. <laughs> which Still doesn't make sense to me. Um, and two, <laughs> like, take what the defense gives you on offense, and they were diverse on offense, they they followed, you know, and they did a lot of other things, right? Too. But if you had told me before the game that Duggan's gonna go 14 to 29 for 225, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and like, yep, yeah, that sounds like a 41 to 20 Michigan kind of win, yeah, uh, But they They answered again and again and again. Every time Michigan tried to crawl back into this game, TCU went down and scored. I mean, what a game. Where where do you want to start with this game? I just, I was surprised at the physicality
1: at the line of scrimmage by TCU. Um, I think we think of this Joe Moore award-winning offensive line when you think of Michigan and just the talent and everything like this. People forget TCU, the T stands for Texas, all right? They are in Texas they've got these big Texas offensive linemen and they were moving folks they had one running back average over eight yards of carry and their starter who went down for a little while Kendra Miller over seven yards of carry they ran the ball at will in this game and that opened everything up for this offense they were able to be balanced they were able to hit shot plays to Quentin Johnston when they wanted to and, you know, they were able to have an answer to everything that Michigan did otherwise, because Michigan could not stop this running game. And while the backs were good, and I think they're very good, I think the offensive line was better. And that's the difference in this game.
0: Yeah, you know, Josh Pate, friend of the show, talks about padlock stats. He told me that TCU is going to outrush Michigan 263 to 185. And, you know, they're going to have six and a half yards of carry compared to four and a half yards of a carry to Michigan. I'm like, oh, the TCU won the game, that that sounds like a recipe for success. And that's exactly what they did. If you had told me the TCU is going to be more physical, like you mentioned, on both lines of scrimmage than Michigan, I'd have thought you were crazy. But do you credit to Sonny Dykes for being ready for this game? Credit to TCU. You know, Doug and his passing stats didn't look great. Had a couple bad picks. But, again, him his rushing yards don't look amazing, but it's situational, right? Like, him keeping it a couple times opens up the rest of the run game. It opens up some passing lanes. Uh, I thought Duggan had a decent game, but you mentioned it, the running game was unbelievable. We got to call out the best player in TCU's roster, Quentin Johnson. I mean, six receptions for 163 yards and a touchdown. That's, I mean – 111 yards after contact that's a re- you know that's how TCU wins games is getting him the ball I'm like you know they're in the third quarter when Michigan started the comeback I'm like all right we get him the ball like just get it to one uh have your Heisman Trophy finalists throw it to your uh you know Blint no doubt first round yeah first yeah. round wide receiver uh, that's a recipe for success so man TCU beats Michigan they absolutely deserve to be there. Proved that they're going to go on to play for the national championship in LA next week. Um, on the Michigan side, what went wrong here? I mean, in, in or did anything go wrong? Did they just get beat? Like, was this a you know you just got beat on the field and you played a really good game?
1: I mean, two pick sixes jumps out. Yes. So I think that you've got you've got to address that as a. It's not just. <laughs> points off turnovers is like literally throwing the ball to the other team and they ran it back for touchdowns. Now, I think that Michigan I, on first play of the game, Donovan Edwards up the gut for what was like 45 yards on one, on the first play of the game. I at that point was like, "Oh, this is going to be a long game because they're going to just do this all game." And then they didn't. So uh, TC credit TCU, but also, you know, Michigan, I feel like kind of got away from what was so great about them, especially in the red zone. Um, you could tell they were in their head when they ran the Philly special on fourth down on the first drive to try to score a touchdown instead of just kicking the field goal. Um, it was like, kind of like, why are you even going for this right now? It didn't really seem like something they should go for that it's like, okay, they're going to go for it. I, I completely get going for it. If you're like within two yards of the goal line, you're like, this is a man that you got, you know, you got to move your man off the ball. We've got the Joe Moore award winning offensive line. Like let's push them off the ball, run it down their throat, set the tone for this game. If you don't get it, then your defense is in great field position. No, they're on what, like the six or the 10 They were, they were off and they, ran this Philly special, you know, wide receiver pass reverse thing that just was doomed from the jump and TCU just surrounded them and stopped it. And uh I think from that point on, I felt like TCU had the mental edge or psychological edge in this game and they knew at that point they could play with Michigan. Uh there was a bad call where I think Michigan caught a touchdown. Um and they marked him down short. Michigan ends up fumbling. So I think that, you know, that Michigan could and maybe even should have won this game when you take into account two pick sixes and then the the fumble that turned into, you know, them not scoring that touchdown or whatever. But, uh, you know, credit TCU because of like, ultimately, that physicality is what even made this a game and made Michigan press where they weren't wanting to press. So. Um, I mean extremely extremely entertaining
0: oh yeah you you mentioned that back hall refs were terrible in both games yesterday Um, on both sides too like it was just overall terrible terrible performance Uh, it sucks when the game is within a score when you have something like that change the game so dramatically we're like it was called a touchdown on the field they go to video evidence that was clear that he scored like indisputable, and they overturn it. That had what was both commentators
1: minute. say, Oh, yeah, that's a touchdown. And then they had their whoever it is, referee, former referee, who's like, you know, the consultant, like, Oh, yeah, that's a touchdown. I would rule that a touchdown. At worst, play stands. At worst, right? play stands.
0: At, but yeah, on the worst day, that um, was a touchdown. Mentioned something else too uh, TC linebacker Johnny Hodges said after the game he said once they started jumping in their bag i knew we had them if you're doing trick plays in a championship game you're just reaching for anything when you see trick plays it's a good good thing i'm like so even tcu knew oh they're they're doing trick plays this early we got them um so dude their mindset they're ready to be here they're ready for the national championship um i'm just walking what an incredible performance by tcu and credit to michigan too i'll say for not quitting because they got down early and just kept punching back. That third quarter was one of the most entertaining quarters of football I think that I've ever watched. We were talking 44 combined points. It was like, oh, here comes Michigan. Then every time TCU would just answer and answer and answer. Um, yeah, 24 to 20 third quarter game is unbelievable. Uh, I'll call it two. If you had told me TCU in success rate, they would be the more successful team during the game on offense. That's Michigan's bread and butter. It's just like similar to Georgia in that they run a very efficient offense and they have one of the highest success rates in the country. I mean, TCU, 56% success rate on the game, and Michigan had 45. So, again, that's a recipe for success. Um, they had a higher EPA for the game. Michigan had a higher yards per play. But, again, you look at explosive play rate, Michigan outdid them in explosive play rate. But third down, too. TCU, 42% on third down. Michigan is 25. Um, red zone success rate. TCU, 68% success in the red zone. Michigan, 45. So, this was no means a fluky win. TCU is the better team, and they're going on to play for the national championship. So, we'll have plenty more time to talk about TCU later on this week. Let's move on to, again, we saw an incredible game in the Fiesta Bowl. It pushes back the kickoffs to the Peach Bowl because of how long it went. And the Peach ball is a longer game. (laughs) So uh, the Peach ball, Daniel, Georgia beats Ohio State 42-41 to in what may have been the game of the year this year. Given the stakes, I think you can say game of the year. It's a playoff game. Two big brands. They've only played once before. You know, Kirk Herbstreit being the quarterback. I think a lot of people have been asking to see this kind of game, like between Ohio State and Georgia, you know, the offensive juggernaut, the defensive juggernaut, and then Georgia wins in a shootout. So let's talk wonders first. Daniel, I sat there, even at halftime, saying, I really think Ohio State's going to win this game.
1: Yeah. Um, when
0: when they answered, you know, Georgia had the seventeen and points. Ohio State goes right down the field two minutes before halftime in response and goes up 28-24. I was like, dude, Georgia's defense is not stopping Ohio State tonight. And – it, you and I talk about the pre-show. A lot of people have questioned Stetson Bennett and this Georgia offense. If they get into a shootout where they have to score 42, if they have to score 40. Defense isn't getting stops. Can they do it? Well, they did it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, what what are your big takeaways from Georgia here?
1: Yeah, this was, uh, I think, the ultimate roller coaster for Stetson because. It's you could take this one game and it could be a snapshot of what his career has been, where he's a good player who has grown and grown and grown, uh, but he's had his his peaks and his valleys, and he has those YOLO balls that he throws. Uh, he has some physical limitations, but he is a great athlete. And man, when he so, he, I I just I come away impressed. With the Georgia offense, uh, and then the defense, I was, I was come away impressed, honestly, with Ohio State's offense because of that. But um, I, <laughs> it just came to you know a point where you're like, all right, Ohio State can just move the ball at will, and this is a good Georgia defense. So maybe we just need to recognize how good CJ Stroud is. But you know, as far as Stetson goes, you and I were talking about this before that was his last question could he win this type of, in this type of way could he keep scoring if their defense is not holding you know holding up if they're not getting stops and he got the opportunity down 6 2 minutes and 30 seconds whatever it was on the clock two timeouts you got to go win it for the national championship can you do it and he was as good as he's ever been he was fourth quarter of the national championship last year. Good. That's the same way he played this one. He just came out, uh, made what a what was a great throw to Brock Bowers down the middle of the field, which then followed up by probably his best throw of his career. Like I think you have mentioned before to, to Kieris Jackson to set up the ultimate touchdown to A.D. Mitchell, um, it was just a an all-out assault by the offense. I think the uh, running game was really big in the first half. A lot of times, though, Jacob, when we're talking about Stetson, we're talking about his legs, and he had the touchdown run in the first half, the designed quarterback draw. It was the first time we've seen that this year. Uh, usually he's just scrambling. He didn't really scramble much, and the broadcast was talking about something with his leg being an injury or, or some sort that showed him icing it. Right after that, he threw a pick. It gave me a, a lot of questions about him going forward. And then, I mean, he just puts up a monster game, uh, almost 400 yards passing, the same completion, uh, completion to attempt amount as, uh, as CJ Stroud, three touchdowns, one pick, and a, a rushing touchdown. So definitely complete stat line. Uh, that pick was a bad one, um, but and he had another bad pass right before the half that should have been picked off, Uh, and so Georgia ends up taking a knee after that. So, But Georgia, two 14-point deficits were overcome in the same game. Uh, I I was blown away. There was uh, so much leading to me feeling like Ohio State was going to win the game, Uh, even down to that last drive, even after Stetson played hero and threw the touchdown. C.J. Stroud still got his team in field goal range with time to spare. Um it came down to a college kicker, and, you know, they're not perfect. Uh, looking back, I watched the broadcast copy again today. I mean, they jinxed the heck out of him. When I was watching the game, I didn't feel that way because I wasn't really paying attention to it, but he's only missed two field goals all year, and they're saying all the stuff that you're not supposed to say right before a huge kick, and sure enough, he, he missed it to
0: the left. And to be fair, too, I'll say – I mean, the coaching by Georgia in this game was unbelievable. Everyone's pointed it out, but we'll we'll talk about it. The timeout Kirby Smart called before the fake punt um, saves them at least extending a drive because the very next offer to play was a 76-yard touchdown pass to Arian Smith. And, like, Georgia had to get a stop there. I don't know if it was someone in the booth who saw something or what, but they saw enough to get the timeout in. I will say – Go back and watch the game, too. Something I saw on Twitter today, I stayed at 12 players in the field in that play. So that could have been reviewed and called back anyway. But dude, that timeout was again a great coaching move by smart. And then, two, I'll even say it's little things, but when a game comes down to one play, he iced the kicker at the right time. Yeah. Or he didn't get a practice kickoff. Um, he didn't even get to go through the motion of taking the steps to do a kick on air. Uh, he got him right back in a stance, called the timeout. So very timely timeouts. I-, I thought it was interesting hearing Smart after the game talk about how they mixed up coverages. And I want to transition this to talk about Ohio State. Um like Georgia, you know, typically a very man heavy team and they were getting cooked <laughs> by torched, especially torched in man so, coverage. So then they like Kirby said they tried zone and man and mix it up throughout the rest of the game. And like Ohio State was still being ridiculously successful, you know. Transitioning to Ohio State, I'm looking back at my notes from our previous episode. How Ohio State wins. Said so one, wide receivers got to win their one on one battles outside. And they did. Yep. And two, and with that, I said, like, Stroud, Stroud's got to use his legs. He did. And three, like, make Stetson beat you with his arm. And this worked for a little bit because, again, he had the pick. That's when Ohio State got out 21 7, and, you know, basically make Georgia beat you. Through the year. He got frazzled a little bit. He got frazzled. Stetson did beat with his arm. But uh, Ohio State, there's not a lot of talk about Ryan Day. And I just want to, if you're an Ohio State fan, I want to calm you down a little bit because you got the right guy. Like Ryan Day is in the exact same spot that Kirby Smart was in. I mean, even going into the national championship game last year. So you're talking just a year ago of this. Sure, he can win a playoff game. Like Ohio State's won a semifinal. Like they've lost to Michigan twice. They can't win the big one. They're not on the same level as these other teams. Ohio State was on the same level as Georgia last night. Uh, yeah, they, they lost by a missed kick. Um, you you went toe to toe with the team that's been the best team in the country all year. Like you, you're this close, and I don't think that is an indictment on the coaching staff. I think it's just that you're this close. It's hard to win a championship, and. Ohio State played the best game they played all season last night. CJ Stroud played the best game of his career. I know you want to talk about Stroud, man. I mean, he unbelievable game by CJ Stroud.
1: Yeah, as a uh, as a disheartened Falcons fan over the past several years, I was watching the game thinking, man, he looks really great in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Wouldn't it be nice if the Falcons, you know, seven had looks pick real good, where they could they could draft? Yeah, <laughs> just go ahead and just. Why not? Let's go ahead and make it happen. Um, it'd be the last time he has to, you know, just go ahead and play there. Um, he looked really great in the stadium. But, I mean, I came away impressed because I've watched C.J. Stroud several times. You, I know you have, to. We've seen him. We, we followed him in high school because he was a heralded recruit, uh, came down to a few schools, Georgia and Ohio State were in it late. Um, and then we knew about him when he was behind Justin Fields, and we kind of assumed he was going to be the guy and he had a pretty good year last year, but you just look at just the development and the growth and just the, I mean, you saw him put his whole game together tonight. He had the legs when he needed to, he could scramble in the pocket. You saw him do that a couple of times and throw touchdowns to Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, so the scrambling within the pocket when it wasn't there and being able to still throw downfield The scrambling to get yards, and then add to it. Just if the pocket's clean, I mean, he's just going to tear you up down the field. So, I mean, I don't know. I I still think Bryce Young is QB one, but maybe QB one A or one B, whatever. Is is Stroud? It's much closer. Now I know it's recency bias as me watching one game very closely of him if he was consistently doing this like I feel like Bryce Young is, I think that there'd be more of a conversation because he does have, you know, the height and maybe maybe a little more strength, maybe a little more durability, those kinds of things. But yeah, anyways, that was a phenomenal game. Even after Marvin Harrison Jr. goes down, now granted, you and I both know that Ohio State has phenomenal wide receivers, even after the first guy, the second guy, the third guy. Like they've just, they were missing Jackson Smith and Jigba and nobody was batting an eye. They still have four guys that could torture you um, on any given moment. So Harrison Jr. going down, it's still big though, uh, because he's just been that good this year. Uh, but Emeka Buka, Julian Fleming, I mean, these guys can all catch the ball well, uh, and, you know, Stroud can definitely put it where it needs to be. Um, at one point, Jacob, I was looking at this game and I was like, I just don't think Georgia like collectively can get a stop. At this point, the big hope was going into the game was Jalen Carter disrupting the middle and that causing Stroud to panic. But Stroud did not panic at all. I think that's the key that everybody missed. We expected him to panic not being in the pocket, but he just scrambled out of the unclean pocket and made plays. So kudos to him, man. He showed the one thing we haven't seen from him all year, and he showed it in spades. He's got it.
0: Let show what using his legs can do for him, which is, again, you, you get mad as a defensive coach when you're like, we've called the right play. We just didn't get him on the ground, and he waves over the best receiver on the field to just go to a different corner, where it's like your is covered the whole time, and you got Marvin Harrison Jr. just running away in the end zone, throws it on the run, 40-yard dime for a touchdown. It's like, well, we <laughs> he's got beat. That was it. Like, that was just stuff on, like – I think you're okay losing to that when you're just like, well, he's just that good. Um, yeah, just phenomenal game from C.J. Stroud. I hate that he had to lose that game with the performance that he had. Um, and Ohio State had, had three receivers that had 70 or more uh, receiving yards in the game with Fleming, Harrison Jr., and Abuka. Um you're, you're talking success rate, 50% success rate for Ohio State, seven yards to play. That's insane, um, man. That's 0.3 EPA, a drop back. I mean, did everything about this. The one thing that Georgia beat them in, and this, you would think this is the opposite with these offenses, but explosive play rate. Um, Ohio State had a 5% explosive play rate. Georgia had an 18% explosive you play gotta rate. you got to count
1: those runs, and Georgia had several big runs. Uh, I think it's only 10 yards for an explosive run. Or is
0: so Georgia, this
1: counting only 40-yard plays?
0: The, Georgia had um, – so this is using epa it's when epa is above 1.8 for rushing Um, so georgia had four explosive runs and seven explosive pass plays and ohio state had two and one so the one being stroud's 32 yard scramble uh wow i thought was going to end the game i was like that's it you got to be vocal range um and then yeah man georgia being the more explosive team kind of not shocked me, shocked me, but I'm like of the two offenses, you you look at it and say Georgia's is efficient, Ohio State's explosive, and that that being the different dif- differentiator. There you go, there. Uh, but man, Georgia was explosive. It, it, we talked about it before the game. It helps to have guys back like an A.D. Mitchell when Darnell Washington goes down. Um, you know the guys over at Dogs 24 Seven preseason we're talking about. Like, hey, he's you know, in spring ball. He was the guy no one could cover. Like, and you know George's DB room. Like, no one can cover him. Um, he's the guy they were excited about getting him back. Having a player like Arian Smith who hasn't played a ton. He's been really unhealthy for all three years that he's been there. Right. In moments like that where it comes down to inches, helps to have a, you know, 10-second, 100-meter guy on the outside. Uh, he's special. So we've got a Georgia – TCU national championship
1: next Just Monday, as everybody
0: predicted back in August. Including us. Uh yeah. Or even last week. Just, just like everyone predicted. Oh my gosh. Uh, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> uh we're gonna have plenty to talk about for that game. I don't want to spoil it just yet because we're gonna have a full breakdown uh for that game. But really excited. Glad we have one more game for We can put a bow in the 2022 season. But Georgia TCU, let us know who you got, who you're thinking for this game. Uh, we'll have plenty to talk about on our next episode, previewing the national championship. But for now, be sure to follow us on social media and YouTube at the Extra Point Pod. Be sure to follow Daniel on Twitter at the Daniel. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob for the day. That will be a